Hey guys, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to a super special edition of Unnatural. Yeah, it's so special because we actually have an interview this edition. Now, if you listen to the previous two episodes, we covered the case of Tanya Cash. And Emily, you really went in depth into this one and really covered her case from beginning until at least right now. And you actually found Tanya Cash and reached out to her. Yeah, I um, I happened across a Facebook page that it appeared she was posting on. So and then I did see that she had participated in a podcast in the past. So I thought to myself, you know what, we're going to shoot our shot. So I shot my shoot and I got a response and she agreed to speak with us. And here is the full length interview that we did with Tanya Cash here on Unnatural. Also, disclaimer, this is a phone call, a recorded phone call. So if the audio quality is not up to your standards, you can get over it because this is amazing. I mean, my audio quality is pretty good. Just saying. Shut up, Andy. (laughs) You don't count. Okay, so as you heard in our last two episodes, we did the story of Tanya Cash. And if you haven't heard our last two episodes, well, go back and listen, because this is the final one of Tanya Cash, where we actually are able to speak to her. And we certainly appreciate having you on here with us, Tanya. Thanks for being on. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you. We are so excited to be able to bring your story to everybody else. I know, Emily, I told you this. When you first brought me this story, I didn't know anything about this story. And boy, was it a whirlwind. And we we were in it together. And we really, really felt the plight of Tanya throughout those, I believe, 10 years, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I guess my first question is, what would you say to all of those people? Because Emily and I have even seen it in the last few weeks who question what you went through. It seems like you've gotten that often, unfortunately. And has it been has it been hard for you to make people understand exactly how difficult your ordeal was that you went through? Yes, it is. It's, it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult to understand that people would take a pedophile side, you know, who, when all of this first started, I was 13. Yeah. Yeah, you know, my birthday's in October, so whenever I met Tom Hose, I was thirteen, and then I turned fourteen, and whatnot. But everybody that that questions what had happened is just like, why would you take a pedophile side? He was thirty-eight, and I was thirteen. Yeah, you know, I didn't know what love was. I didn't know any of that. You don't know that at that age, Mm -hmm. you know, and. I, I really don't understand why, but they they didn't live what I lived through. They weren't in my shoes. You know, I know what I lived through. He knows what he put me through. 
And most mm-hmm. of all, God knows what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and for them to question as well is Tom stood there and pled guilty to every charge. Yeah. You know, it was even though it was a plea deal because the judge and the DA felt that I, I was not capable at the time to go through a trial because of so much trauma and everything. And, and I was still, even though I, whenever I got out of there, I was 24, but my mindset was still 14. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And, but he stood there and he pled guilty to every charge and they're still going to question. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that. I don't see haters out there of Elizabeth Smart or JC Dugard, you know, or Sean Hornbeck or anybody. Yeah. I, I, I guess, have you come to terms with the fact that there's always going to be those people out there like that and you just don't let it get to you as much as you used to? Or does it still get to you as much as it used to? Um, I know that they're always going to be out there and, and it it does still get to me. Um, I was recently filming for Fox Nation. I'm sorry, I don't want to promo on your show. Yeah, you know? no, and we know that's coming up, so. Yes, in October. Um, and as I was filming, um, there was a lady that, in the Keysport, we were filming at a location, and there was a lady with a six- or seven-year-old little girl, and this lady started screaming at me, yeah. screaming, yeah. you know, you're a liar, you're this and that. And, and I literally had a meltdown. I just broke down crying. Oh. I just couldn't understand, you know, why she felt the need to do that, as well as with a little girl. Yeah, what are you teaching your kid? What are you teaching that poor little girl? You know, she should be looking at that little girl saying, do you see that girl, what she went through? You know, as she gets older, of course, and understands. But, you know, and says, you you know, this is not going to happen to you. What happened to her? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and the whole reason I was doing the filming is to help others, and then I get screamed at. Yeah. Yeah, that's awful. I, I've i seen, just from looking around as people, you know, that, that doubt you, they're like, well, I would have left. I would have done this. I would have done that. And, like, we've said multiple times for, you know, nobody honestly truly knows how they're going to react in that type of situation no. you you can think right. you know but you don't actually know until you're there yeah right, right. well and, and people don't know no and think about you know how you were when you were 13 years old too i mean i i can only speak for myself but looking back at me as a 13 year old i was an idiot so i mean yeah that's just kind of how it is you know your brain's not fully developed when you're that age Right. Yeah. And you're not. very impressionable. Right. Very, very impressionable. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next question, I guess, um, we kind of talked about, uh, you know, the haters and the people that uh, throw things at you on social media or in person. Um, but the ordeal itself, everything that you went through that decade long time and then afterwards, the ramifications, all that. How has all of this shaped you into the woman you are today you've been through so much and this obviously has transformed your life in ways that we can't even imagine so how has this shaped you it's i felt like it was a second chance at life you know like i i got another chance at life after what had happened and 
with the help of my advocates and everything back then, whenever I got out, um, we, de- we dealt with some health issues because I had not seen a doctor in 10 years. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. aside from that, they got me enrolled in GED classes. And then, you know, my mom helped teach me how to drive. And I got my driver's license within four months. Wow. And I got my GED within seven months. You know, I busted my butt, Yeah. you know, on studying and, yeah. and, and then as soon as I got my GED, which was in November of 2006, in January, I was enrolled in a community college That's going cool. for business management. Mm. So, you know, I got my life, you know, on track and, and I thought to myself, you know, dealing with all of this, you know that there has to be a positive out of this. I can't let my life go down some terrible road, which people were afraid of. But, you know, my mom was afraid of that. And, you know, she was very afraid that, you know, that there are some people that go down a wrong road in life. Mm -hmm. And my advocates as well were worried about it because they had told me later on, you know, years later that like, hey, you know, you could have went down such a terrible path, but you chose you know, the right path to go down. And I said, well, why wouldn't I, you know, because I had no idea this was going to get national attention, you know, and I, you know, and I felt, well, you know, since everybody's so concerned about me, which was so sweet of them, I want to make them proud of me, you know, and I want to make something out of my life as well, mm-hmm. you know, and I really yeah. wanted to make my parents proud uh, my biological father and I, we haven't spoken in over 10 years. We don't speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mother and I are very, very close. And, you know, and then I thought, you know, after getting my life like together, you know, afterwards and everything, then I, I felt that it was time to write my book and to speak about this and to help others. And not in a selfish way. Please don't take that in a selfish way, but I oh, had no. to get my life together first. Yeah. In your book, oh, sorry. In your book, you say, um, you know, that throughout the whole time, Tom was kind of poisoning your mind to think that nobody cared about you and, you know, you would have nothing without him. But, you know, you look at your life now, so many years later and, you know, you're married, you have your stepkids, the grandkids, was mm-hmm. was it, and you got your GED and you've done all of this great stuff, was it, did it feel really liberating to, you know, oh, succeed yes. in all of that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Very, very much so. And that was part of my victim impact statement as well whenever he was sentenced. You know, I put in there because all he would say to me was that, you know, I was only a pretty face that would never amount to anything. And he also threatened my life every day because I, I was nothing, mm-hmm. you know. I was, I was nothing. And, you know, in my victim impact statement, I got to actually say to him, you know, listen, I got my driver's license. I got my GED. You know, I'm going to college. You know, I'm doing something with my life, you know, and that it was very, and to do all of that is very liberating. Like the first time that I got my license and I could actually be behind the wheel by myself was, that was very liberating. That, that was a, a huge, it hit me very hard that that was a big thing of independence for me that yeah. I had never had in my life. Yeah. You know? I imagine you had a moment where you were just driving around by yourself and oh, you know, yeah. you got the window down and you're thinking, wow, I've done it. Here I am. 
how I could have never imagined this a year ago, and here I am. Yeah, that's exactly what I did, and I, I was just, and I just kept thanking God, you know, mm-hmm. because without God, I wouldn't have got through it. I wouldn't have had the strength to get through it. You know, I'm a very Christian person, and you mm-hmm. know, and I have such a relationship with God, and I kept thanking Him, you know, for giving me the strength to get through it and coming to that point in my life and to yeah. where I'm at and to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. I think it's really amazing that you have kept your faith throughout all of this, because I feel like, you know, you hear some people go through really tough times and they lose their faith, but that's what really kept you, kept you going and kept you getting through it. Yes. Yep. I love that. Was having my faith. Absolutely. If I, Yeah. I prayed every day. I, I kept a very strong relationship with God. I, you know, and whenever he finally let me out, where did I go to? I went to a church, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I got involved in the church and I, I loved it. I, I really did. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I liked I loved those pictures of you um, in the choir from yeah. back then that I think I saw on your Facebook. That, when I was in the choir, that's after I had met my now husband. Oh, okay. And um, I was involved into another church at that time. And I played in the bell choir and I sang in the choir. Because I just did the thrift shop at the other church. Oh, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Went to services and everything, but I was Mm -hmm. mostly involved in their little thrift shop. Yeah, well, speaking of your husband, how how did you guys meet we met working at kmart way back in 2008 Mm -hmm. i i wanted to get a job and i had a couple job interviews before kmart and i was turned down and i was i know i was in college at the time but i told my mom i was living with my mom and um it was my stepdad at the time who i really considered my dad to me he has since passed um, from cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh, I'm sorry. But he was, he, he really stepped up to the plate and was a dad to me. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great. Because he could see how my biological father didn't care. Yeah. Um, but when we lost him, that, that was pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I said to them, and his name was Craig, and I said to my mom and Craig, and I said, you know, I, I'm trying to live a normal life. I want to get a job. And they were like, well, can you do it with college and whatnot? And I said, well, there's a lot of people that do it that have kids, and there's a lot of people that do it that don't. Why why can't I try it, you know? Yeah. And so I did a couple job interviews, got turned down, and then I thought, well, let me try Kmart. You know, let me try retail. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I got hired on the spot, actually. <laughs> nice. Which surprised That's me. Right. Yeah, and um, just started working there and, and, you know, didn't really know him at first. Um, He was in a motorcycle accident right after I had started, Mm. and it wasn't until he had come back. And at that point, whenever he come back, I wasn't just a cashier anymore. I was, you know, a manager of the customer service desk. Mm. Oh, that's great. And that's whenever I, I got to know him and whatnot, and then, you know, and a couple of people that I worked with had told me he was going through a very bad divorce and whatnot. And, you know, 
and his ex had custody of the kids at the time, so he didn't really get to see his kids, and he was really upset, and, you know, and him and I just started chatting because he knew what had happened to me, you know, and it was hard, it was hard for me whenever I first started the job as well, because one person recognized me and decided to gossip it around the store, you know, that I was working there. Which is the last thing you want. Right. And literally my husband now came to my defense because she went running to everybody in the store and she went to him, guess who's working here? And he was like, so what? Let her live her life. She's trying to be normal. Yeah. You know, and not knowing until after we got together that that conversation happened. But, um, you know, we started talking and then we, he said to me one day, he actually sent his best friend up to me, which was funny because he's shy. <laughs> Aww. And his best friend um, came up and said, there's somebody here who'd like to go out with you, but not on a date, but would like to get to know you, thinks you would like to talk and, you know, whatnot. And I was like, well, who is it? And they said, oh, it's Carl from, from the garden shop. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. So I paged him. <laughs> <laughs> from the customer service desk. I paged him and he came up looking for a customer because the only time I would page him is for a customer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he comes up, he's looking for the customer. He's like, where's the customer? And I said, no, no, no. And I, I had my finger like, come here, you know. And I leaned over the counter and I said, so a little birdie told me something and he got so red in the face. <laughs> oh, He got so red. Like he was just waiting for me to say no or something. And I was like, no, I said, listen, I'm not looking for anything at all. And he goes, oh, neither am I, you know, not at all. He goes, I just thought we could go out as friends, like, you know, maybe vent and, you know, and and just talk. And I said, sure, we can go. And and this I find funny. And then I said to him, sure, we could go to Denny's or or whatever and have coffee or whatever. And he goes, I hate coffee. (laughs) And I said, okay, I'll have coffee. You, you have soda. Yeah. <laughs> and we did, we did. We, we went out and we went out at least six or seven times as friends. And I just, I really started getting feelings for him and he started getting feelings for me, really getting to know each other, you know, cause he didn't have the best childhood either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had a tough upbringing and then, you know, we went to this thing and it was on October 4th in 2008 down in Pittsburgh because I'm only like 20 minutes away from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a um, some kind of um, thing with fireworks and stuff that was going on down there. I, I don't know if it's a bicentennial thing or something was going on. Well, we decided to go down there and I don't know if it was the romantic stuff with the fireworks and everything but that was the first time we held hands and then we kissed and you know and then we we that night we made it like you know that evening we made it official that we were dating that is so cute and then here we are 13 years later yeah (laughs) going and and i'll tell you what after 13 years where we are the closest that we've ever been every day we get closer I love that. That's so amazing. He is my rock. He has been there for me through everything, everything. And now you're there for other girls who may have been in a a similar situation as yourself. What advice would you give to young girls who might be in a situation like you were in? Don't trust everyone. You need to 
go to somebody that, you know, um, in my case, it was, it was an authority figure, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, that shows you can't always trust authority figures as well. Mm-hmm. You need to go to someone that you do trust, that you know you can trust, that will help you. You know, like a family member that you know will help you, even if it's an aunt, uncle, cousin, you know, go to somebody that you know will help you, you know, because there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can get out of this. Don't let this happen to you. Don't let somebody prey on you just by bribing you with gifts and money and, you know, things like that. And just, you know, saying what you want to hear, you know, you can't let that happen, you know, and so what I say to them is, you know, you need to go to somebody that you know you can trust and will help you. And even if you are a grown adult stuck in a marriage, you know, please go to somebody that you know you can trust that can help you get out of it. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There is. Trust me. You yeah. know, you've got to find the positive out of a negative, and you have to get out of that negative first. Very true. That's your first step. You're you're living proof that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I got to say, your story has to be so inspiring to somebody if they hear about your story. And that's kind of why Emily and I wanted to do this to, you know, get that out there to more people who might not be familiar with it. That way it shows, you know, you can have resolve and bounce back from something like this. Something as traumatic as what you went through. Right. And you can't, you just, you got to have your faith, please have your faith in God, please. Definitely. You have to, because he gives you the strength, you know, absolutely. He carries you through it, you know, but you have to keep that faith. Like he is your best friend, you know, he's always there for you. Always. He'll never let you down. Very well said. And uh, you've got, uh, and we might as well bring this up because it's airing this month in October. You briefly mentioned uh, your your Fox Nation uh, documentary that's uh, that's uh, going on. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. that? So we did filming back in June, and they are doing a, a five-part series of people that have been kidnapped or held captive and survived. And I was one of the five that they had asked if I wouldn't mind doing this for them. And I said, absolutely. Um, You know, I would do this because, you know, I need to let people know that Tom Hose maxes out February 9th, 2022. He walks out of that prison a free man. He will be registered under Megan's law, but there is otherwise no restrictions. He's a free man. He served his full 15, which, you know, me and everybody that I thank so much for writing into the parole board over these last, you know, 10 years, because he had to serve five no matter what, and then he was up eligible for parole. So these, like, last 10 years, I thank everybody for writing in, because I would always, on my social media, let everybody know your voice can be heard, and it has been heard. You know, and now with him getting out, I want everybody's voice to be heard, you know, as well to, you know, watch out. He could do this again. You don't know what he's going to do. You don't know. His last photo taken in jail, he's smirking. 
He is smirking in the photo. Who smirks in their jail photo? Right. Someone that is not remorseful for what they have done. And I've also gotten that from the victim advocate office. Every time he was denied parole, I get the letter. He's not remorseful for the crimes he committed. He's still a threat to the community. He's still a threat to children. You know, there's nothing you can do when somebody maxes out. And I want to let people be aware. Listen, he's going to be getting out. He's going to be back probably in that area. Please keep your children safe. Right. Do you, um, I know that you and I had talked previously about how, I mean, he could move in right across the street from you if he wanted to, and there's nothing anybody could do about it. So um, with him getting out, have you and, you know, your friends and family kind of come up with maybe some sort of plan of what to do if he did decide to reach out to you? Because I know you, you had thought that you think maybe he might. I am afraid that he might. Um, yeah. Honestly, if he reaches out, like I, I, if he would ever reach out, I would contact the police right away. That's for sure. Right. Um, other than that, I do have, I do have a very close family that, you know, I, I can go to their place if I, if I need a break, you know, or to just to feel safe. Right. You know, I, I have places to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I, what about I imagine? Oh, I'm sorry, Emily. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, well, I was going to say, I imagine if he even, you know, thought about uh, trying to contact you now, you're older, you're wiser, you're strong, and you would shut that down so quickly, and and I mean, you would almost, you know, say, "Are you kidding me? Do you really think I'm that?" person that I used to be when you contacted me and when this started all those years ago. Oh, exactly. And the thing is, is I don't care what he has to say. I don't care at all. You know what he has to say, what he thinks, you know, I know what he put me through. He knows what he put me through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, he knows. And I don't care what the man has to say. I I really and not in a mean way. I, I just really don't care what he has to say. If he gets out and he decides to talk, I, I don't want to see the interviews. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you one bit. Because I, I don't care about one lie that comes out of his mouth. or in just He's an evil, evil monster. I agree. Uh, I hope he crawls mm-hmm. under a rock. I hope he lives under a bridge somewhere. I think a lot of people are going to be wishing that right along with you. Yes. Yep. Us included. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Well, I guess yeah. I, my my uh, final question is, uh, it, you know, it feels like we've gotten to know your story and Emily and I are, you know, very invested in this and we certainly are on your side and we're curious as to what the future holds for you. What do you hope to accomplish next? What's your next chapter? My next chapter, honestly, is still helping people. I'm going to keep helping people up until the day I die. You know, if if I get offered to do a podcast or an interview, of course, I'm, you know, I'm in for it because, you know, there's, you know, you got to think about it out there. There's so many young girls, you know what I mean? And I, and if I don't keep talking about it and, and if I don't keep helping others, I mean, who's going to help? 
you know, who's going to have, who's going to, you know, sit there and voice this, what, you know, what I say, you know, and this is what should be learned is, you know, what happened to me, you know, is to prevent this from happening. So I'm I'm always going to be helping people. I'll always be an advocate against pedophiles and predators. I admire you so much for continuing to speak out and educate and be an advocate and just your, you know, drive and passion and determination to, to prevent this from happening to anybody ever again. Right. Yeah. Yep. And the one thing that everybody needs to know is surround yourself with positive people. Get the negativity out of your life. Yes. Yeah. Isn't That's that the, the biggest truth? thing? Yeah. Yeah, that that advice uh, anybody can can hear and take to heart. That's for sure, because there's certainly yeah, a lot of people that un- have that negativity in their life. Unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm speaking from experiences. You know, get the negativity out of your life. Get the negative people out of your life. Surround yourself with positive people. Mm-hmm. Yes, good advice. Absolutely. Wise words and. Uh, Tanya, we certainly appreciate uh, you giving us your story here and giving us your time and getting this out here. Um, Man, thank you so much for being on with us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been so great having you and talking to you again. And um, I definitely hope that we can keep in touch going forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to let everybody know out there that, you know, if they... would, if they like it to read, you know, I have Memoir of a Milk Carton Kid, my book that I wrote with Lawrence Fisher, um, you know, is out there and you can get yeah, it off of Amazon. Link. Yeah, we can post a link to the book on Amazon, like in our show notes when this goes live. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I can't wait to read it myself. Just everything you've been through. It's so great that you wrote that book and that you're out there um, helping women still to this day. And uh, thanks for giving us your time today. I always will. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's absolutely free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. Basically, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, And you want to know what else? You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which is really cool. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That was our awesome interview with the one, the only 
Tanya Cash. We can't thank her enough for being on with us. She was such a good sport, and you could tell she really wants to get her story out there still, even though it's been 10 years since her book's been published, Confessions of a Milk Carton Kid, and she's still an advocate to this day, and she's got that documentary coming out this month, Emily, on... Fox Nation that is going to go even more depth into her story. Yeah, and there's a couple other documentaries about her life that you can find on Amazon. One that I watched was called Captive. And yeah, she also has a Facebook page for her book. If you just go on Facebook and search Diary of a Milk Carton Kid, you'll find it. And she posts updates really frequently if you want to keep up with how she's doing. Um different things she's advocating for, especially with the release of Tom Hose coming up really, really soon. Very soon. And speaking of uh, keeping up with people, how do folks keep up with us? How do folks keep up with the Kardashians? Just kidding. If you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Twitter, Unnatural the Pod. Come hang out with us on Instagram to see pictures from Tanya's case, past cases, and obviously cases we'll cover in the future. That is Unnatural the Podcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural a True Crime Podcast. You can send us a Gmail, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon page set up where you will get ad-free episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and much, much more. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends. Ooh, I like it. And you know what else I like? I like the British. And specifically, I like true British crime. And at the end of this podcast, you can check out a very special presentation of Dark Side, which is a true British crime podcast. Check it out. All right, guys, that's it for today. Make good choices and don't get got. See ya. Bye. Oh, 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 Andy. Yeah. Andy, Andy. Uh-huh. What are we doing next week? Oh, yeah. We'll have to edit this into an appropriate place. Yeah. <clears throat> next week. So next week we are talking <laughs> what? So. As we are getting closer and closer to the Halloween season, we thought it would be appropriate to talk about vampires. And there was a specific group of vampires called the Vampire Clan in Kentucky that we're going to get into. I know, of all places, Kentucky, that we're going to get into next week here on Unnatural. We'll talk to you then. See ya.
Wow, 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 west. When I run through the. When I scroll through the. When I run through the. Yeah, the wild, wild west. Where is your boy tonight? I hope he is a gentleman. And maybe he won't find out what I know. You were the last good thing about this part of town. Wow. I think that's going into the outtake. Hello, and welcome to Darkside, a true crime podcast with a bit of a twist. How does it have a twist, I hear you ask? Well, did you know that it took an accident to discover DNA fingerprinting? Ever wondered who was the first person to be convicted using DNA? Or the first person exonerated for that matter? And how about the first person convicted using genetic genealogy? And no. It wasn't the Golden State Killer, as everyone likes to believe. And have you ever wondered why police can use cell phone companies to ping the phone location of perpetrators or victims, hmm? Well, the answers to these questions lie behind crimes. Crimes that change the way law enforcement and criminal and justice systems operate across the world. Crimes that are only covered on dark side. So yes, I cover crimes that change laws, law enforcement, or something positive was born of a tragedy. Oh, I also cover first, last and landmark convictions. So, why don't you come join me to find out the answers to these questions? I'd love to have you along for the ride. As always, it'll be a bumpy one. So until the next episode, please don't forget to stay safe, stay alert. Soos, over and out.